0: You you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on on Zoom, and uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube. But we thought we might try cutting down the one hour class to about forty minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcast that might not be able to fit a midday class on Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, If you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, Just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. Hello everyone. Hello. Um, good to see y'all again. Uh, just getting started here in this new year. This is our second second week, and uh, that means Parshat Noah, the story of Noah. These first two weeks of the of the Torah readings are mythic in a different way um, than the rest of the Torah appears once we start with Abraham's story next week, we have some sense of a kind of like, a kind of proto-history. Like it's not a history book, but it's it's meaning to tell the actual tale of our people um, in some kind of timeline. The stories of Adam and Eve and, and, and Cain and Abel and Noah, they exist in a sense before time, um, right? The world is de- is de- is then destroyed and we start all over again. So, um, so uh, I I I I I um, it's very um, rich material for that reason. That sort of mythic, like, what exactly does this mean? Why exactly is this here? I was teaching a group uh, earlier this week. Um, and someone asked, "What is Noah even doing here? Why do we have this story?" And that's a really good question. That's a really, really good question. That's like that's in some ways the question: Why Noah, Adam and Eve? I almost feel like, well, I mean, beginning. Uh, I don't know the start of humanity, but there's something about the Noah story that feels extra. Like, why do we? Why did we have to learn about? not just the destruction of humanity, but the one guy that survived and his story and the ark and the ark. And I have to tell you that the class that I wanted to do this week, the class that I had in mind this week was, a, was mostly about the ark. I'm not gonna do that class, I so don't get excited, but I, I, I am still feeling such heaviness and such pain and such calamity in the world that I thought, oh, I want to go inside the Ark, you know, like um, I want the shelter of the Ark, but I also want to consider, and I I thought to do this, maybe we'd look at some of the Midrashim, some of the stories of what it was like in the Ark, because it was, um, as the rabbis imagine it, uh, it was not a a peaceful shelter. It was a shelter, but it was not a peaceful shelter. you know, they say like one there were three levels of the ark, and they say one full level of the ark was just filled with crap, literal crap, you know, like humans, animals refuse. and and then they worried about like it's stinking up. like I mean, it's just like a um, that sort of imagery, actual, you know actual refuse. Um, I'm trying to be polite here. Um, you know there's another story about Noah um, that says that the, he never got any sleep the whole time 40 days he never got any sleep and he was always on a different schedule feeding the different animals and he had to run around and run around and keep all the animals fed and then it says that one day he went into the lion's uh, cage Ooh, um, went into the lion's cage and the lion mauled him so that he was like, he was injured forever afterwards. Um, One Midrash says that he was coughing up blood when he left the ark. I mean, really, you know, harrowing imagery and that felt appropriate to this moment. I have to say all of that felt very like, that's where I wanted to go. (laughs) So why am I telling you all of this? Because I had it in mind, but in the end I felt like there's no real class there, <laughs> you know. Like we just look at one, one horrible image after another of, as the rabbis imagine it, what it was like on the ark. And that's worth that's worthy of some reflection, but it's not a lot of discussion there. I could just I just show you another one and another one. So anyway, um, that's all by way of of introducing Noah and the and the and the terrible. Um, destruction that he lived through, and the question of why we are reading his story at all, and one way that I think uh, um, it, it is uh, helpful to ask that question, and the, what we the class that we actually are going to have today, um, is to ask um, about the the covenant of Noah, because Noah receives a covenant the first covenant covenant is like brit that's like top 10 words in judaism right like that's big massive the covenant and um we associate it with abraham abraham is the one that received the covenant the one that we inherit but abraham's not the first to get a covenant and in fact the guy right before him got a covenant and so that's what we're going to do today is try to like think about what is the difference between those two covenants and what is the nature of Noah's covenant. Maybe that'll help us understand what Noah's doing there all together. Now, um, uh, we're going to head in, but let me just give you, I um, wanted to share with you something that is happening in this sort of related to this class this year, which is that I said this last week, but I'm writing a weekly Devar Torah essay on the Parsha for Hadar, for, um, um, for the Hadar Institute. And this is this week's, um, which you're welcome to read. We're not gonna, the class will not just review the same material, but I do imagine that the class will often be um, related. Like I've been thinking about this material all week. And so, um, or actually last week. And so um, there's there are un- there are there are threads that are that are unraveled that need attending to and it's true in if you read this essay one of the things that I do touch on is the covenant that Noah gets so there's a little bit of a teaser there but we're going to go much deeper into that particular so that's the way I hope it'll it'll work is that you'll be able to read one essay if you are interested and then if you come to class there'll be a deeper dive potentially into one of those um one of those footnotes um here's the uh the sign up for that by the way if you're interested in in that weekly uh Devar Torah um okay and then the last thing that I want to do is just to say that um uh Vera and I and uh Ben Cooley uh all uh, uh work together to to put, turn this class into a podcast which it, it is and is available in an edited version and then also we have on that podcast called best book ever we have sometimes have special guests and we just recently not only released last week's class but also um also had a a conversation that was sort of in the vaults um with a um a a musician and uh and deep thinker in torah ezra Furman. and so you can find here is the podcast where you can find both the our 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 classes, if you miss one, but also in this case, take a look at um, the conversation that I had with Ezra on the topic of dissent in the Book of Numbers. So these conversations are more like, you know, not following the weekly Parsha, but just looking at themes in the Torah. And anyway, all right, that's enough of introduction. Let's uh, let's say a blessing and get into it. Okay. Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher la'asok okay. Torah ok, good to be good to be immersed in words of Torah, um even as um the world is unraveling, ok. Uh, here's what I want to look at today is the co- I said the covenant of Noah. and um that covenant, as I just said, is the first breach to appear in the Torah. And it's rather even it's rather surprising, even in not just because oh we're so used to talking about Abraham's covenant oh reminder Noah had a covenant as well but even the way that it's that it's first mentioned i think leaves us wondering a little bit what what is going on here so one question that i could start with is what is a covenant what is a covenant but we'll we'll get into that we'll we'll do that as we go let's just start looking at the material and take a look at the first covenant here's a source sheet for you all is that a link? Yeah. I don't know why it's bolded, but it, it bolded. Um, okay, there's a source sheet. Now let's take a look. Um, God announces to Noah that um the that the world is to be destroyed. And here we go. vani hinani may vi etamabu maim al Terrible. Announcement here, I behold, I am about to bring to, d- to bring the flood, al ha'aretz, waters on the earth. Um, this is a word we see a, a lot in, in the story of Noah, to destroy really, really terrible language to destroy all flesh under the, under the sky or under the heavens in which there is the breath of life and kill everything living. Or every uh, every every breathing thing. Okay, that's just like that's enough to set you reeling. That's that's the story. Um, but but then we get this covenant. But I will establish my covenant with you. Okay, I'm going to establish my covenant with you and you will go in the ark. So like with no other information, you know, like imagine that you aren't in a covenantal uh, tradition, which we are. So it's like the word echoes so loud for us. But here in this moment, when God says, you know, Adam and Eve and then, you know, like generations, you know, 10 generations go, you know, uh, move, move, move move down the line and then all of a sudden god is mad god is done god is going to destroy the earth and we know that god is going to save noah we know the sort of the story is classic god is going to save Noah. Noah's going to save the animals they'll restart humanity Noah was the only righteous person among the whole generation wow but why a covenant what is the what do you we don't get much more explanation here although we will at the end of the story but here just in this one little mention first mention of a covenant in the torah any sense of what god would be saying what is the what what does it mean for god to say i'm est- as you go into the ark i'm establishing a covenant with you what do you expect from that what do you expect god is saying here does anyone want to try to speak that out nature of this covenant mm-hmm. let's just sit with that question for a second mm-hmm. Okay, Payam. Payam's going to give it a shot.
1: I mean, covenant's very weird because in essence, God doesn't need a covenant, right? He can do whatever he wants and it's not asking for anything from us. But I think what's interesting and what covenant creates is the first beginning of creating equality in some sense between us and God. You know, it's the changing of the relationship between I'm this omnipotent being that can do anything to you. And then it's From into God saying, okay, I'm going to give you instructions or I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. So entering like certainty into it and seeing the human being as more of an equal partner in the relationship.
0: Great. Great. Okay. Uh, Beautiful. So Payam is now doing some of that work that I said we would do along the way. Just think about, well, it's okay. So what is a covenant? What is a covenant? Well, it's a promise, but it's not a Uh, it's not just a promise there's a mutuality to it it is some kind of exchange of promises so that both parties are beholden to one another and Payam says that's weird that's weird because what does god need i need to promise you that i will what you know and and i need from you your promise that you will what? what does god need from from all of this but there is that's in some ways the That is, in some ways the the radical nature of the covenant in our tradition which is there is some sense that no god is beholden to us as well and there is not just a mutuality but as paim puts it almost an equality or a presumed equality obviously nobody's equal to god but there's some sort in the covenant god kind of comes down to be like a partner in an arrangement okay so that's helpful now so we can talk about how that plays out in our tradition, but what is the arrangement that God will have with Noah? So that's, you know, I'm just been taking paims helpful framing and then trying to use it to ask the question. Well, we know what God is going to do for Noah, or, you know, I guess and God is going to save Noah. And then what? I mean, I'm, this is almost unfair because it's just to mention, and we are definitely not going to be... Soon we will see how God speaks out the covenant with Noah. We'll have more information, but yeah, there seems like there's some some kind. It's not just I hereby I'm going to save you. I promise, but no, I have a covenant with you, which means I'm going to enter into a relationship with you. And what is the relationship God is going to enter into Noah? Especially book because to re- to return to my first point, does God establish that much of a relationship with Noah? Noah's gone after this week, right? So. What's going on here? Okay, Let's take us a couple more answers, one from Robert. Robert Uh, Hammond. I
1: agree that there's a deal here to be made, but I don't agree that it's one of equality because when you look at other kinds of treaties uh, from that era, it was usually between a ruler and his uh, 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 subservient people. And that's usually the way that these, Covenants that God makes with the Israelites work out later on. You do X, Y, and Z, and I will provide an overarching uh, protection to you. I, from my high station, will provide you, my serfs, with a certain amount of uh, protection as long as you do all the things I want you to do.
0: Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Thank you, Robert. Another um, uh, very helpful way of framing the covenant. Um, and Robert starts with with the, the point that it, it need not be an equal partnership. There is simply some contract, a social contract, if you will, but a contract made in in, in the ancient world between um, maybe a, a ruler of great power and the people who submit to the ruler, to submit to the ruler and in exchange will receive For their loyalty will receive benefits. That's another way to think about it. And says, Robert, we might well think of our own covenant with God that way. We're not equal to God, but we're loyal to God. And um, we will do God's will. And for that, we will have benefit. Now, that that again raises the question, um, okay, so what about Noah? Because... um, Noah then might be seen to be entering into a um a unique relationship with God where Noah becomes God's subject and representative on earth Noah it sounds like Noah will be the sacred nation the the that that when we think about our own covenant we know how to conceive of these terms of the our king and we are the people and you know all those metaphors so i guess that's what's happening to Noah that seems like that's what's happening to Noah and yet it does not at least if any you know if it does it it, it seems like uh, superseded um um or left behind by um Abraham's covenant Okay, let's take one more pass at this um, from Hal, and then we'll and then we'll move forward to actually take a look at. I, I'm, as I said, I'm being a little unfair because one mention, I'm just asking you to speculate, but that's the point: is that here's the the first mention of covenant in the Torah, and there isn't any explanation of it for at least chapters to come. But let's take Hal's thoughts first.
1: Well, what occurs to me is using the term covenant as opposed to what's been mentioned a deal. Or maybe a contract uh, uh, suggests the you know that this is ongoing, that this will last longer than Noah. Now, obviously, it's not tied to a particular people in that sense, but you know, I'm of the belief that this gets written in after the other facts have already occurred, and so I think it's just trying to create a sort of resonance with the covenants that come later uh you know at at sinai and and or with
0: abraham and at sinai so um so i just think this you know that it exists in perpetuity i suppose is the implication
1: i would draw from covenant
0: okay okay two really really um useful um comments from hal two really excellent points one is that um, here's another feature of covenant is that it endures. There's some enduring relationship to covenant. And that is why I think I, I was thinking as, as, as Hal was, was, was putting it that way. That is why we often find reference to God remembering the covenant. Mm-hmm. God remembered the covenant. And God says that to Moses when God in the beginning of Exodus says, you know, I remember the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and that's why i'm here so there's some like some enduring and in fact that language of remembering the covenant um is we don't have remembering the covenant in this parsha but we do have god remembered noah and then ended the flood that's the beginning of chapter 8 so this idea that a covenant will span in this case just over 40 days but still it's not just a momentary exchange but something that will endure that's an that's an important um and 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 how does noah's covenant endure is a question that we could ask and then i th- think i heard how also um wondering and suggesting at the end how we think about noah's covenant the enduring covenant of noah in not just contrast as i've been doing so far but also in some kind of relationship um to the covenant of abraham and maybe the the Torah seems to want both of these covenants to be operative, right? We're asking this question, why Noah? Well one of the questions is we get a different covenant, maybe to start to to like you know, maybe suggest, although i don't I don't want to conclude here, but maybe there's a, a a covenant with humanity and then a covenant with like the people of Israel. Maybe there's some like that's the way we're stacking it, but I don't want to that's already. Giving it too much framework. Let's let's take a look at Noah's covenant. Okay, let's take a look at the way it appears now after the flood. So they go on to the flood, all the terror of the world's destruction, and then um, they come out of the flood. Now, when they come out of the flood, God um, um, Noah makes an offering to God. That's worth mentioning. So there's some kind of religious relationship there. And the other thing that's worth mentioning. I wanna mention this because it's important, but I also wanna say, I am not 100% committed to incorporating this into the covenant, but it it bears mentioning that God gives Noah a series of laws. Not many, just um, famously, they become understood as seven laws that, that Noah gets. But there's some kind of the like first legal uh, code um, that is given to Noah and I have to mention it because it comes right before the covenant is established. I'm not sure if the laws are the covenant or not. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not deciding that yet, but let's take a look. Um, it, it, now we're after the flood, right? Chapter six, before the flood, chapter nine, after the flood. And, um and they come out and God bless Noah and Noah and his sons and say with uh, Genesis like language, vu, be fertile and increase be fruitful and multiply um, I'm giving you all the creatures and um, you can, there's like, this is the end of vegetarianism. You can eat animals now. Um, okay, but here are some of the laws. Um, you must not eat flesh with life lifeblood in it. In other words, you can't eat a living thing. Uh, um. And as for your own lifeblood, I will require, I will seek justice. I will require a reckoning. And this is the famous line: Shofech dam ha dam ba dam, damo yushafech. Whoever sheds human blood um, by human hands, that one's blood shall be shed. That's not really, that's a translation. So how we translate that is a question. Um, for in the image of God was humankind made. So uh, I don't want to get too deep into this, but you can see there are some laws. Don't kill each other right? In some, at least basic way. Okay. Don't be savage. Maybe that's the like not eating living animals, things like that. Okay. Then there's a break. This little symbol tells you there's a break in the Torah. And then we get, this is the covenant of Noah. All right. So let's, let's see the covenant of Noah. And now we'll try to understand, okay, God said God was going to make a covenant here. It seems it is. And now God establishes it. So it hadn't been established before. Okay. It hadn't been established before. Uh, God said, God would make a covenant, but here it is. God said to Noah and to his sons with him. I now establish my covenant with you all and with your offspring to come and with every living thing that is with you. Did you hear that? Meaning birds, cattle, and every wild beast as well all things that had come out on the ark, every living thing on earth. Huh, that's, that's it. Just like, just take that in. I now establish my covenant with you all, 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 all of you. I will maintain my covenant with you, v'akimoti et briti tchem. I, uh, I never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. That's good news. Okay is that it was that the covenant is that the the agreement what what you know before it was just you'll be saved in the ark now never again will there be a flood okay and then and this is important for us as well we're going to have to think about this as as we move forward in this conversation there isn't just the covenant there's the sign of the covenant this this is the sign. This is the sign that I have between you and, and every living creature with you for all ages to come. This is the sign. I have set my bow in the cloud. You know what sign? Do you know the sign? <laughs> the sign is, is the rainbow. I have set my Kashtina banan. I have set my bow in the clouds and it shall ser- serve as a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, it says "bow" here because the um, as as the the rainbow. Um, same reason we call it a rainbow in 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 uh, in English. Um, I will re- here we go remembering the covenant. I will remember my covenant between me and you and every living creature among all flesh so that the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the little repetitive here, when the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant. And that's, that's another kind of, the Al's point, it lasts forever. That's significant. Noah and Noah's story may be eclipsed, but his covenant lasts forever. Okay. That God said to Noah shall be the sign of the covenant that I've established between me and all flesh that is on earth. Okay. So there we have it. Now there's a number of questions here. Um, but first I think I want to ask, what is the covenant? We have more information now. And what is, what is the, what's, The agreement, what has been agreed on Noah's end, on God's end, what is the nature of this covenant? Okay, suggest. Okay, all right. So let's take a look now at the covenant, the next covenant. Just, We're not going to be able to analyze it in full. We're almost done here. But it is important in our conversation. We think, what is the covenant of Noah? What is the covenant of Noah? Well, all along, we're aware that the covenant of Noah is, well, what is it a prelude to the covenant of abraham a foil for the covenant of abraham a um a lesser a greater a more maximal a more you know like how how exactly do we think about this so let's take a look at the covenant of abraham and once again with abraham there is a first mention of the covenant and then there is a a, a, a fuller speaking out of the covenant and the first mention of abraham's covenant first of all um I just like I, I, I will just say this in very quick passing that there's even another way that covenant is used in the Torah from time to time when people make covenants um, amongst themselves. So just so we know the word is, you know, as we have it in in our own uh, in English, it can be used in, a, in a, a less exalted way, just like an agreement between people. But anyway, here comes Abraham's covenant. And Abraham's covenant comes when um God says, "I am the eternal who brought you out from Ur to assign this land to you." And Abraham says rather <laughs> boldly, How do I know that I will that I will inherit it? And this may be a call for some kind of sign, right? How do I know What's my assurance? So there's a huge ceremony here. Uh, called Brit Ben batarim. we we end up calling it the Covenant between the Parts, because Abraham has to cut up all these sacrifices into parts, and then Abraham goes into a trance, a kind of deep sleep fell upon him, and a great dark dread descended upon him, and then we get these really important words that will um will define the in some ways the rest of our journey. Know well that your offspring shall be strangers in a land not theirs, and they shall be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. but I will execute judgment on the nation they shall serve, and in the end they shall go free with great wealth. And then, at the end, I'm like doing this quickly, but just so we see it, on that day, the eternal forged a covenant with Abram. And what is the content of that covenant to your offspring, I assign this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the canaanites, the 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 Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorite, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So, okay. That's part of it is there's land associated with this covenant. And that was after all, what Abraham was asking about, how will I know that I'm to possess the land? Okay. So that's, that's very different and much more specific. And then just because we are running out of time, let me just say, this is too quick, but then the last chapter of um of parshat lech lecha next week's parsha has the the now the covenant gets mentioned a lot i will establish my covenant my covenant my covenant an everlasting covenant um an everlasting holding my covenant my covenant my covenant you just i'm just asking you to look at the bolded words here of brit, brit, brit. but um also there is a sign of the covenant and the sign of the covenant is circumcision Right, um, and by the way, uh, by the end, you know that that makes it seem like oh, you know, immediately raises the question: What only men carry the sign of the covenant? That seems like uh, a little lopsided, but um, it it seems like it implicates everybody because it's also Sarah also gets um, a new name as part of this covenant, and her offspring is the bearer of the covenant as opposed to Ishmael. So it has to do not just with the the sign of the covenant is circumcision, but the nature of the covenant includes land, but also a particular line of of inheritance, okay? Now that's all very different from um, what we've seen so far. There are some striking parallels, striking parallels, sign of the covenant here, sign of the covenant here right? I will establish my covenant with you. I will establish my covenant with you, right? Lots of similarities, but some really stark differences. One is that um, God is making this covenant with a particular family and a particular line of this family, as opposed to the whole of every everything that lives. And the other, of course, is the content of the covenant, which has to do with you will inherit this land, and you will your your descendants will will inherit will inherit this land as opposed to a a covenant that is not about any particular destiny, just a, a refraining from destruction. Okay. All right. So, we only have a few minutes left we We did what we what we had to do, which is spend most of our time on on Noah's covenant, which we spend usually less time with. But in these last few minutes, let's hear if there are any voices we haven't heard from yet um some reflections on on what what is different about Abraham's covenant that is a as a question which really merits more than five minutes, but let's just see what we can uh what we can. Oh, let's tee ourselves up for for next week's Parsha. So let's start with Kathy Kobayashi.
1: You didn't turn it off. Oh, no. Um, so, I, well, actually I wanted to kind of uh, get back, although I think it's, you know, relevant here to the sign of Noah's covenant, because, um, you know, it's always sort of like, oh, rainbows, you know, really pretty and nice. And like you say, you know, after a storm and that sort of thing. But I've always been struck and particularly in the reading here, with the fact that it, uh, it's a bow, it's a rainbow, but it's a bow, and uh, you know that's kind of the way it was translated earlier on. So I take it as you know, and we don't necessarily—at least I don't necessarily think of a bow when I see a rainbow. I think of all the kind of the 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 prettier imagery, but but you know, it's a weapon first of all, and um, so I think it's kind of interesting that this web this symbol is in a sense, a weapon, but it's transformed by being this sign of, in fact, you know, the opposite of violence, you know, like not killing everybody, and so, I don't know, there's a kind of an interesting transformation there, and then the other thing that I always, you know, we, and it's certainly a big image, is um, bows as uh, hitting targets, you know, and so there's so much about what comes up about missing the mark and hitting the target and so much the um, the imagery of you know the vote and the laws and everything is about missing the mark and you know um Hayden, all of that and so i just think that that it's i think it's um uh, not just not just beautiful i mean it is beautiful also but it but it uh, transforms um, in a couple of different ways, and how that leads to you know circumcision and penises, I, you know, I'll leave that for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll 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 take I'll take that one up, um, <laughs> um, which is to say, I actually think it does weirdly enough. I I, I was just thinking that your comments help in that direction, which is to say, oh right, a keshet is a bow. And I forget which commentator says this, but one of the commentators says that it's a bow turned upwards as if God is saying, I will not destroy you. I will take the blow or something like that. I turn my weapon back on myself, which does provide an interesting parallel to circumcision, right? Like us inflicting ourselves in this case for God. Um, And so that does it, in other words, does it, it raises the question, does a covenant not just require an exchange of, of mutual benefits, but also an agreement to sacrifice to be, um, even like, um, limited or cut off, so to speak, those are interesting, um, questions as well. So I will see you then. And I wish you um, strength and comfort as we move through. The experience. Okay. That's it a taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, And speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and and join our our circle of of Torah geeks, you can find us, uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m., online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And, uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And, um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that, that uh, we keep our classes, you can, if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archived classes and source sheets and everything we discuss there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and, uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week.